Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now, here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Shutsky. We've got a fun one today with David Rosell to talk about retirement, which is not a topic we've covered a lot. And if we have, it's been in the context of real estate or some aspect of that. And happy to say we've got some, we got a variety here. We'll be talking a little bit different spin here. So here's a little bit about David's background. David's a founder and president of Rosell Wealth Management, a firm focused on retirement, of course, located in Bend, Oregon. And for over 20 years, they've specialized in working with affluent individuals and families who are at or near, I think you said they're all, most of your clients are actually in retirement to help them live the life they have always imagined. So lots of cool tricks here we're going to talk about. It's been featured in CNN, Money, US News and World Report, Chicago Tribune, NBC News, and, and New York Daily News, among many others. So he's got lots and lots of press time out there. Happy to have him on the show. He's also an author of two books. You might want to check them out. Failure is not an option, creating uncertainty in the uncertainty of retirement and keep climbing. A Millennial's Guide to Financial Planning. On the personal side, lives in Oregon and with his family is constantly inspired by his two children, which I can relate to, Sophie and Jack. And when he's not working, he indulges his passions for downhill skiing, mountain biking, paddleboarding, and enjoys his time with his partner, Heather, and their motorhome. So cool life and welcome aboard, David. Good to have you on the show. Hey, it's great to be with you today, Andrew. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to talk about retirement. Uh, and one of the, you know, the pre-show questions we had teased out you said you, you kind of despise the word retirement. Why is that? Yeah, retirement, interestingly enough, comes from the Latin word retire, which means end or be put out of use. <laughs> and we all know none of us want to be put out of use at any time in our life. And I think the reason that it got its name is years ago, let's go back to our grandparents or great grandparents. Um, they would work their entire life with one company. They'd retire uh, get their gold watch. And three or four years later, they were no longer with us. And really social security, or I like to call it social insecurity, was meant to help supplement that three or four year period of time. Um, and now people are just living longer and longer, retiring earlier and earlier. Um, and so I have always despised, as you say, that word retirement, and I'd rather use the word financial independence or being independent of the paycheck. Reason being is we have so many clients who uh, they sell their businesses, uh, they end their particular careers, uh, and they don't want to be put out of use. So this is the time for them to start an Airbnb, open up a coffee shop where they're independent of the paycheck. They're not working because they need that money, but they're working because they want to have some kind of purpose in life. Yeah, it's really powerful. And it's, it's no different than the, the guys that are they're much younger coming out of college. They're looking for the same independence, same purpose, but maybe just a different spin and maybe a dis different risk profile if you're already in that later bracket. Exactly. So, so I, interesting correlation you drew, again, the notes of, you know, you compared climbing Mount Everest to saving or retirement or entering retirement. What, what's the connection there? Yeah, well, in Failure's Not an Option, uh, I share a true life adventure story of a self-guided trek for 21 days called the Annapurna Circuit in the Himalayas of Nepal. 
And, uh, and then years later, I had an opportunity to get to know a gentleman named Ed Beasters. Have you ever heard of Ed? I don't think I have. Tell me more. Ed is a remarkable human being. Uh, he's got to be the, the greatest mountaineer ever to walk the planet Earth. Um, Ed has summited Mount Everest seven times without supplemental oxygen and has also hiked all 8,000. There's 14 8,000 meter peaks in the world all without supplemental oxygen. No one has done this before. That's pretty cool. It's, it's amazing. Um, it, and I, I remember a time where Ed said, hey, when we're at Mount Everest Base Camp and we're getting ready to leave Base Camp to climb to the top, most people think our, our goal is to summit. And he said, that's the last goal that any of us experienced mountaineers would have. And I said, well, what do you mean, Ed? He said, well, what you see is 80% of the accidents, 80% of the deaths happen on the descent. I mean, you're fighting lack of sunlight and fatigue and hunger, and it's just harder on your body descending than it is climbing. Mm -hmm. And so he, the day he said, David, it's the second half of our journey that takes on the most amount of risks and needs the most amount of planning was an aha moment for me. And it really became the premise for my first book. And what I realized is since we're helping people on the second half of their financial journey, when they reach their financial summit, and what I mean by that is that's the last day that they're adding to their 401ks or IRAs. Uh, and now they're gonna be living on it for three to four decades. It's the second half of the financial journey that also takes on the most amount of risks and needs the most amount of planning. And so our goal is to help our clients hold their hands down the descent and get them to the bottom of their financial mountain, which in other words means living the life that they've imagined in these years of financial independence and never outliving their resources. Yeah, I mean, you work so hard. It's 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 critical that you make the right choices, or at least manage risk appropriately. You know, so so talking about risk, what's if you if you engage a new client, like you know, what are you asking them? Is it lifestyle questions? Is it you know, obviously the financial you know outlook is is, a, is an important one. What, what's your thought process like as you engage a new client? Yeah, interestingly enough, <laughs> when people come the first day, they're expecting us to look through their portfolios. And it's the last thing we want to take a look at. A matter of fact, we don't even look at it the first day. Um, I ask questions that tell me more about their goals and concerns. Um, one of the questions I, I ask clients you know, or prospects sitting in our office is, if we were sitting here three years from today, what needs to happen in your life, both personally and professionally, to feel happy about your progress? And that just tells me so much about what's truly on their mind. It's like peeling off layers of the onion. Um, another question that I like to ask people is I'll say, you know, money means different things to different people. At this stage of your life, uh, you're, you're entering this exciting time of financial independence. You have your first grandchild on the way. Uh, you're thinking about buying a, a second uh, a vacation property. But when you think of money, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, what is important about money to you? And very often they'll say security. And I'll say, well, security means different things to different people. What's, what does security mean to you? And again, you're just peeling off layers and really ultimately getting down um, to what their core values are in life, their core values around money, their goals, and their fears. Um, you know, interestingly enough, 
most people, uh, when we look at a very successful um, retiree, uh, and they have, let's say, a number of millions of dollars to the name, we, we would think that they don't have a, a worry in the world. And the reality is successful retirees, they know exactly how much money they have. But most of them, Andrew, don't have a clear idea of what their money can or can't do for them for the rest of their life. And if they continue living the way they are, are they going to outlive their income or are they living below their means? Uh, So it's really important to have a plan in place, because as you've heard before, if you fail to plan, you're you're planning to fail. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a powerful but, you know, simple message. So, I mean, at what point, what's the appropriate point for a career professional to engage you? Is it, you know, midpoint in their career, later in the career, early in the career, at retirement? What's the, what's the right interval to engage? Yeah. You know, as you mentioned in the introduction, most of our clients are right at or near retirement. Um, I find that most financial planners are really good at helping people climb that financial mountain. Um, but the planning, the tools needed, the investments that are appropriate for the ascent are often very different for the ones that we're recommending for the descent. Um, so, you know, an ideal time to engage with us might be seven years before you retire. Um, you know, the earlier you plan, the better. Um, but a lot, most people who are entering our practice uh, are in retirement. They're not getting the advice uh, that they're really yearning for, and they're engaging with us at that time. Interesting. So, from a from a risk perspective. What, what, what should be people, what should people be planning for or looking for? What are the top, let's say three risks out there? Oh, you know, in, in failure is not an option. I, I get into detail on, on the eight major risks. Um, you know, ones that I might touch upon today, they're simple, but most people really don't think about them. One of them is inflation and, uh, you know, inflation averages between three and 4%. Uh, this year, it's going to be probably hovering around 5% and, I don't, do you remember what it was in 1979, 1980? <laughs> uh, I was not alive. So no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm aging myself. Yeah. No, that's all good. Uh, I wasn't that far off, but yeah, you know, the Olympic, the, uh, well, the Olympics came to my hometown in Lake Placid, New York. Uh, I was 12 in 1980 and, uh, inflation was 13%. Wow. And you were getting 13% in the money market. Mortgages were above the 13%. Uh, it was a different world. But the reality is, is that inflation averages about three and a half percent. And what that means is that mathematically, every 20 years, the cost of living doubles. So if you're a 40 year old and you're planning on retiring at 60, let's just say for easy math, you want to live on $100,000 net of taxes. You're going to actually need to have enough money saved up so that by the time you're 60, you're taking out $200,000 every year to buy what $100,000 buys when you're 40. And let's say you jump ahead, you're 20 years into financial independence and you're 80, 80 years young because today's retirees are trading in their rocking chairs or their stand-up paddle boards. Graying now means playing. And so we have so many clients in their 80s who are so active uh, here in Oregon and around the country. And you're going to need $400,000 when you're 80 to buy what $100,000 buys when you're 40. And if you do the math again and you live to 100, it's the fastest growing percentage of our population, our centenarians, people 100 above, you're going to need $800,000. And 
Recently, I had someone in an, in an audience, I was a dental group, and he says, you know what, this is BS. There's no way that 100, then you're going to need 200 when you're 60, and then 400 and 800. And I said, doctor, with all due respect, I would bet everything I own that you spent more money on your last automobile than your parents spent on their first home. And then I asked him how much his parents spent on his first home, on their first home, and he said $28,000. <laughs> Get you a Honda Civic now, right? Exactly. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's roll up the, window. <laughs> that's the base model. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a powerful perspective. And it's uh, you might think that hey, I'm going to cut my cost of living. <clears throat> I'll live below my means. But really, it's hard to change your lifestyle once you're used to traveling and you know, seeing sites or buying new cars every so years, it's not likely everybody's going to want to change that. It's so like, what did you work so hard for? Right? Exactly. So you guys must recommend, I mean, do you guys get into balancing portfolios and recommending investment tools? If so, you know, what are your top two or three or single investment choices? Like, are you looking at mutual funds and stocks? Is it bonds and businesses? Or what's your recommendation go to? Yeah, good stuff. Hmm. Well, there's two very different hats we wear. Um, one is we're true consultants, true planners that put together an objective plan place for the distribution of our clients' wealth. So we charge a annual retaining fee to update this plan each and every year because the only thing constant in life, Andrew, is change. Oh, yeah. The second hat we wear is we're really darn good at managing portfolios specifically for the distribution of wealth. And there's not one size fits all type of investment that we recommend, but it's a combination of investments because just like an automobile, you need a sports, you know, a sports car is fun for a curvaceous road and an SUV for going up to the mountains to, to go to the ski area. The same thing happens with these different investments. Um, but if I were to name an investment or two, one that usually finds its place in a portion of all of our clients' portfolios are ETFs, which stands for exchange traded funds. Are you familiar with those, Andrew? I am, but I can't say I've invested in them heavily. And I'm curious to see why, why you favor that one over others. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, more money's been invested into ETFs uh, in the last five, six years than all the mutual funds combined. Love mutual mm-hmm. funds. They came around in the 1940s. I invested them, invested in them myself and for clients for many years. Um, but we've really changed over into ETFs. Um, statistically, um, a majority of mutual fund managers don't even get the returns of their benchmark index. Mm. So if you're uh, a large cap growth fund, uh, you're going to compare yourselves to the S&P 500. Yeah. And over 80% historically in any five-year period of mutual fund managers will not get that benchmark return. And years ago, uh, ETFs came around the street and what it is is computer algorithms that are buying and selling exactly what's happening in that benchmark. So instead of having a 20% chance of hitting the benchmark returns or beating the benchmark, you have a 100% chance of smack dab getting it. And because you don't have all these lackeys working on Wall Street studying the different companies for the mutual funds, you have computers doing it, the internal costs, the 12B1 fees, the overhead, if you want to call it, of these exchange-traded funds are much, much smaller. The smaller the fees, the higher your return. Mm. 
Um, also, they're much more tax efficient, um, which is it's, uh, we could spend a half hour talking about the tax efficiency of these. Okay. Um, they're more liquid. Um, a mutual fund, when you sell your mutual fund, they have to get the average price of every stock um, after the markets close where exchange traded funds trade on the exchange. So they trade instantly like an individual stock. Um, so we've been investing since 2003 into creating portfolios of exchange traded funds. Uh, and if you haven't heard of exchange traded funds, after today, you're going to see them everywhere because it's almost like when you buy a new car and yesterday you, you never saw that car on the road and all of a sudden yeah. you drive it off the dealer and you immediately see everyone else driving that same car. You're going to see ETFs advertised on billboards and magazines at doctor's offices, commercials and so on. Interesting. So is that your top, as of now, your top investment tool of choice? Uh we don't have a top one of choice, but I will go as far as saying every one of our clients has a portion of their wealth invested into uh, exchange traded funds. Um, how our approach is, is there's 24 major asset classes, real estate being one of them. We're firm believers in diversifying a portfolio with real estate. And I know that your game with uh, crushing cash flow. Um, and one of the reasons we love real estate is it's uncorrelated to the stock market. Correct. Just because the stock market's going up doesn't mean the real estate market's going to go up and vice versa. So you get some really good diversification there. And there's wonderful exchange traded funds of ETFs, actually. Um, and it's been proven that 90% of success in investing doesn't come from timing the markets, getting in and out of the markets. It's about time in the markets, not mm -hmm. timing the markets. But it comes from owning all 24 asset classes and rebalancing. And so our clients, we, what we do is we, we create these portfolios with 24 different exchange-traded funds. Every exchange-traded fund represents a different one of the asset classes. And then throughout the quarter, we're rebalancing, which basically just means when one sector outperforms another, we're selling where we're overweighted because in business and in real estate, you want to sell high. And we're taking those proceeds that, and we're buying the, the loser or the one that is yeah. uh, has lost on paper and buying more of that on sale because what's on the bottom always goes up and vice versa. Really cool. I, I like the diversity and perspective you guys do by buying all 24. You've given us a lot to think about. Like I mentioned, we talk a lot about real estate, a little bit about tax planning, but uh, we haven't, I don't think we've talked about ETFs and I know we have in the last 40 some episodes. So, so thanks for, for giving us some, some things that you on there. Um, for those that want to learn more and maybe dig in further, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, you can reach me at david at rosellwealthmanagement.com. That's R-O-S-E-L-L wealthmanagement.com. Uh, our phone number direct to the office is 541-385-8831. And I'd highly recommend, uh, I, my first book I wrote was called Failure's Not an Option, Creating Certainty in the Uncertainty of Retirement. Um, I wrote it after getting our clients through the worst market in history in 2008, and none of our clients needed to take a haircut with their retirement income. And for a first-time um, author, it went on to get endorsed by Charles Schwab Jr. and uh, some of the greats in the world of, of business, investing, and motivation. And uh, I would highly recommend uh, buying that book on Amazon. Awesome. And you've got a podcast as well. How can we find that? 
Yeah, you and I, we both started our podcast right around the same time. And yep. uh, it's been a, a fun journey, I know, for the both of us. Uh, it's called Recession Proof Your Retirement with David Roselle. And you can find that on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the major podcast distribution sites. And uh, yeah, please tune in. We interview a, a lot of great people. I recently had an opportunity to uh, interview uh, Les Brown. And Les is a pretty uh, well-known motivational speaker. I was very honored to have that opportunity. Very cool. Well, uh, thanks for sharing, uh, I'm sure, decades of experience in the last 20 minutes or so. Really appreciate your time and look forward to connecting with you and our audience further. Appreciate it. Andrew, it's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks so very much for having me. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.